gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. It's our Thursday show here, October 6th. It's going to be a fun time. We'll be with you for about an hour. We'll cover the latest news in MMA and combat sports. And we have a special guest, and he's all amped up and ready to go. It's MMA Country <laughs> Radio on a Thursday, October 6th. It's our 3300th show. Well, as you can probably already tell, it is a big dude that's our special guest. He's already blowing up. He blew up this past weekend. Got a quick knockout in the first round. 24 seconds or something like that. Big Ben Rothwell. What, Ben? Did you watch the fight? Did you even watch the fight? Was it 17? Did you watch the fight? Yeah. I watched the highlight, which as long as the fight. Then why don't you? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm worried about people. I'm worried about society a little bit. Was it 17 like, I, seconds? I don't know how to tell fucking – I don't know how to count, apparently. I don't know math. The timer on the official, okay, fuck when he drops. You got to do this whole standing 10 thing. Fine. The clock says – so after a standing 10, it says one minute, 47 seconds. I must be doing, what, two minute and, and, and seven second rounds is added. I thought it was two minute rounds. Two minute rounds minus – Minute oh, oh. 47. But but they announced they themselves said 19 seconds. That's what they posted. So I don't know, man. The, the organization I'm with is like hired. I don't know who the timekeeper is. Mm-hmm. I kind of worry about everybody. People, nobody nobody said chaos. the same same so everybody's been saying different numbers on top of it. So this is fucking hilarious. One thing we can all agree on it was a fast and vicious KO. <laughs> You couldn't have written a better script. Congratulations. That was something else, man. Literally, you just lit him up. And what a debut at Bare Knuckle. I appreciate it. I'm just talking shit. It doesn't matter to me. It could have been 30 seconds, whatever, right? Like, I got out and let it go. It's what we always, you know, it's what, what Junkie Nation's been waiting for. They're like, Ben, we know it was in you. Where the fuck's that Ben? I know. Did you, did I you know. even get a taste of Bare Knuckle? I mean, it was so fast. You got the finish, but, like, did you know, I mean, there's you didn't even get a chance to get to your corner and get instructions or react or anything. Like, you, your face looks better now than it did last week. <laughs> My hands fell a little bit. It's cool because I landed. It wasn't just a one-shot knockout. He got hit. It was about 15 punches were thrown, give or take. There could be just an argument in that. But we'll just say roughly around that many. And I'd say – I landed. You have to really watch closely because it looks like it doesn't hit, and, and they, I'm hitting them with most of those shots. Um, and my right hand was a little bit sore after. So for me, that was a little bit surprising because I've had 15 and 25-minute fights before, and my hand's not feeling anything. But I guess it wasn't being me either. I, mean, I would have threw more like that. I would have had better success in the past. But So my hands were sore. To your, to your seeing how quick it was, though, but it was funny. My cornermen, 
I go back and they're like, Ben, we were still fighting over our seats. We didn't even see the fucking fight. And that was pretty funny that they literally said they were trying to sit down and the fight was over. Yeah. I mean, even when we were talking earlier today, um, I was joking, you know, hypothetical of what Mike Tyson and Ronda Rousey would say. I, I could just see everybody fighting for their seats on the couch and toasting their beer. And next thing you know, it's over. Yeah, probably it sucks for people that weren't watching at the show. But the replay is making up for it. I mean, it seems like replay is getting, you know, literally the whole fight is a highlight. So it seems like it's getting shown everywhere. So that's pretty cool. And it's up for Bobo Bannon. Um, how quick do you want to do something like this again? How, how does it work? Um, you know, I know boxers sometimes only go twice a year. MMA fighters sometimes can go four or five if their body's healthy. As a bare knuckle guy, you know, what what are you thinking? Like, do you want to do something again, even this year to close out the year, or, or early part of next year? Or what are you even thinking here? So at this point, when when you have a fast win like that, I my, my body's great. I'm ready to go. I mean, we could even talk about a fight, you know, soon, weeks, month, right? It's not on me. It's BKFC has. They're doing a lot of shows. They're trying to keep a lot of fighters busy. And it's just kind of like when someone like me and Platinum Perry, you know, they can't just have us fight monthly. They got to have things set up and a lot of planning put in place. So what I'm hearing is um, it's like February, so about five months. Not as fast as you can for the UFC or other, other places, but still staying busy and not just putting you on some show. I'm getting told like Knuckle Mania, which is one of their big ones. We'll see. I mean, they they there's nothing set. They haven't figured out anything yet. That's just what my management is kind of preparing me for and looking at, and we'll see what happens. Are they still going to Lima, Peru, at the end of this month? Have you heard? Are are they still going to Lima, Peru, at the end of this month? Have you heard? Okay, there it is. Yeah, you broke up for a second. I don't 100% know. All I know is um, they got a show in two weeks and a show two weeks after that. So they're fucking pumping shows out. I got to give them that. Looking, you know, they do two, two up to two months, sometimes three to three a month. So they're, they're putting shows out, but I have only heard uh, for the next few where they're going. Here's why I ask about 10 years ago, maybe. You can ask Malky. Him and John Jones went to Lima, Peru to uh, attend a show. So John was an invited guest. And I remember our mom's from Peru, so we're very partial to that country. But I remember somebody took a video, and as John was walking in, some young kids were saying, you could hear them as they're holding their camera phones, they were saying, que bestia. They were in awe, you know, of the tall American, you know, the great fighter that is John Jones. Man, something tells me they would react to you similar like that, you know, because your stature, your mean, you know, like bare knuckle type look. And I think you'd be a fucking hit over there. But it's October 29th, and I don't know if they're still doing it. They were going to go with Luis Palomino. He's uh, originally from Peru, and that's why. He's, I yeah, he's their champ. Would make sense, but I didn't. I don't think that's going to happen in October. If they are... It's going to be later. Yeah. All right. Man, that, that, wouldn't it be epic, Goes? Am I, am I reaching here? Or that, that, wouldn't he blow up over in a country like that? 
Yeah, there's not a lot of people that look like you walking around there. They mostly look like me. So uh, that would be pretty legit. And you, uh, you might, you might want to get in and out of that country because the food is so good. You'd be fighting at super heavyweight for the next one. It's incredible, man. We gotta take you there one day. Yeah, I agree, man. He would be like Bob Sapp, and you know the way he, he people reacted to him in Japan. You, you guys missed my way in, huh? Hmm. Well. Okay, I want to talk about that actually. That's something I want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, in the world of MMA, I was super heavyweight, but we're boxing now, baby. I get to be me. You said that you were coming in the heaviest you've ever come in. I However, can tell, you, I know you guys, and I were like, you were a little bit worried about it. a like, little bit. Yeah. What is but, this guy doing? Now you, you see said that you felt great, and, and when I looked at you, you looked amazing. Like you didn't look your weight, if that makes sense. You looked pretty good. Like, everything was in the right place. I would argue that look, that's the best I've ever seen you, I think. How can you explain that? Like, who, who talked you into that? Or how did your body feel going into that? <laughs> no, there was no talking, brother. That was my body begging for many years, crying. Ben, stop making me cut 30 pounds. Like, this fucking sucks. And people think, like, oh, heavyweights just take a shit to make weight. Well, yeah, guys that are 260 or 70, as you can see, maybe in a different life, I was supposed to be a 330-pound defensive lineman. Like, I don't think people understand how fast I can run a 40. Maybe not as fast now, but when I was younger, I was running a 4440 at 280 pounds. It's true. And I'm just fortunately my life didn't have me go there. I didn't go do I didn't do the things I was supposed to do when I was young. Okay, let's put it that way. So I became a fighter because I was kind of like, oh, you fucked up your 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 life. Now you got to do this. But it wasn't like I fucked up anything. From I've been fighting since I could first remember, like wanting to fight, thinking about fighting, loving watching action movies, fighting the air, doing things. So this is just who I am. It's part of what I am. And I'm just thankful like this life. Here I am, 40 years old. I'm still going to do what I love. And, you know, I'm making the most of it. But back to the, the size and everything, yeah, I'm trying to tell, you know, like, I feel good and natural at 290 pounds. I know that freaks people out because there's not many 290-pound guys that do what I can do. What about going into the fight? What were the differences, like, walking through the curtain, walking to the ring? Did it feel kind of like business as usual, or did, you, did the emotions kind of get to you, the new environment and all that? No, I felt more natural than ever. I was able to get where I needed to be mentally. A talking point is, oh, you have to wear a cloak and do these things. But it's just, I was getting to be natural and naturally get into the state of mind that I needed to be in to perform the way I did. And it's been a struggle. Crazy it is, as everyone, when the Reebok deal started for the UFC, it fucked a lot of things up for me because I was creating a persona. I was getting into a mental state to perform a certain way. And when they took that away, it made me kind of like pissed off, but in a bad way to, because it affected me. It made me like, well, fuck it. Now you're going to do anything. And then I kind of forgot to get myself into character for a fight. And I know some people don't get it. They're like, what is he talking about? This guy's I'm like, listen, it's all about the mind game with this. And I have try to tell people to convince them like listen i'm not making this up like i have a split personality the, 
the best the way I haven't explained it this way, and I'll try to explain it. Just tell somebody like the guy's talking to you right now. Hey man, I love everyone, things are great. And then some crazy fuck guy comes and pushes my wife down in front of me. In that second, I am not the same person anymore. And what that individual is gonna deal with is losing his life because that's what's gonna come upon him. And that is the person, the thing, the entity I have to tap into at fight night. And it's not easy. But now the BKFC has allowed me that ability to get there. So bad news for all the guys that have to fight, you know. Have you figured out that, because uh, I know you could have a lot of fun with this, right? Your personality could come out. Um, have you kind of figured out that persona that you want for BKFC, or is that still a work in progress? I believe just like fighting, it's evolving. It's not set in stone. And I just implant, I, I got like an introduction and now I feel like I get to run with it. I get to add to it. I get to become more of it. So sky's the limit. I want to tell you about something that ran through my head during your fight. And I want, I'm curious to know if it ran through yours. When you were going through that closing sequence, which was basically the opening sequence, at any point in my head, I was saying, Please don't grab him and throw a knee, because it just it just feels like something you would do in that situation. Um, did you did your MMA brain kick in at all at any point during that sequence? It's funny, my 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 family, my mom and dad, my dad's just like, my mom was kind of worried. My dad's like, he'll be all right, but my mom's like, don't don't throw an elbow or a knee or something, you know. I'm just like jokingly, like a couple days before I left for the fight, and we're laughing, like, ah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And then some of my other people are like, man. We, we just let off a head kick. And I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty bad. <laughs> so I felt good because I was focused purely on what I had to do. I've been doing, you know, just straight boxing for the whole year. So I was focused and honed in. But the problem is he started to fall down. And I threw one last punch that the close bare knuckle people and his, his family and friends got upset about. And it wasn't intentional. Like, it missed. It just sucks that I threw it because that was that last. People don't realize that as he fell down in MMA, I would have had a couple more seconds of following him, knee on belly, and dropping three or four of the hardest shots he would have took in the whole sequence. That's why MMA is very dangerous. And that man would have gotten really hurt. So BKFC is a good thing because the fight was already over and he didn't need to take those shots. Wow, that's interesting that you bring that up because we applaud MMA for being safe further than boxing. But yet at the same time, when you explain that, you're so right. I mean, there are some follow shots that, that we see every weekend. Brutal. Four-ounce gloves that, that uh, are pretty brutal. But still, compared to the big 10-ounce gloves of boxing, 8 or 10 or whatever they use, depending on the weight class, uh, you know, there's there's just these different levels of safety. Um, and e even what you shared with us earlier, that your hands are a little bit more sore now than some MMA fights where you've gone 15, the whole 15 minutes. So that just goes to show you just how much the four-ounce does protect your hands a little bit, in essence. It does. It's true. Yeah. Wow. All right. I know your time's short. Thank you for popping in with us here on our 3300th show. Wouldn't what the... Just fucking bring me in. You literally rolled me out of bed, and then you fucking, like, kicked me off like some street whore. Man, what the...
<laughs> Where was our funny time? Okay, I hold on a second. Sit here and talk all this serious shit. The MMA junkie people are like, this is boring. Like, but, the but at the same time, or? then we joked and you joked and told us you did a show that went on forever yesterday. So he said, oh, well, let, let's top that. And you're like, no, 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 no. You got to well, How long have I been out? We'll, we'll make it a short one. So I said, all right. So now, now that I give you a strike, I can't win over here. But you want to joke? All right. You and Rhino 440, get off that. Or, or 4440. <laughs> Maybe a four six or a four seven, but that's what DBs run. I mean, what were you running downhill? That was just that was the measured straight line. Oh, fucking four, run. four forty, Big Ben. This is your last chance to retract that. I don't have to tell you. It was time. It was high. Okay, let's. Okay, let's be honest. How long ago was it? High school. So it was a long fucking time ago. Did you also run track or something? Or I was. I was 240. I wasn't, I was not. If you, if you can do that. Sorry, we'll pick you we'll you, pick you probably could have played NFL for sure. I was 240 and it was, you know, senior high school. Yeah. So, and then when, um, the fastest I got measured when I was like 280 was like a four, six, four, seven. So okay. you're right. You're right. By the way, that's wheels. Those are some wheels right there. Has anyone ever told you you look like his name is, I think, Andrew Whitworth, he was the left tackle for the Rams up until last year before he retired. Um, solid, solid left tackle. Won a Super Bowl ring, and then he, he he's out. But you kind of remind me of him a little. No, I'm me. I'm only me. I only look like one other person. Kratos. Got a war. Ooh. Just wait till come out like that. You got the eye. We got to get him that costume for his next fight. That'd be dope. But yeah, I want to say, hey, congratulations, guys, and everything. You guys have been fucking with me for a long time, and uh, you guys are a blast. And Junkie Nation is so fun. What you need to do is have another party. So I can. I am different. I have a couple of drinks in me. I get a little bit wild. So you do. Get a party set up to celebrate the 3,300th episode. How, how, how long is it going to take to get to 4,000 episodes? How long is that going to take, roughly? At this rate, seven more years. But 3,500, <laughs> that's a nice round number, right? Okay, let's shoot for 3,500. Party right. time. All right, enjoy the fruits of your labor. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Love you. Love, Love you, too. too. All right, there he goes. Big Ben Rothwell. Man, one of the greatest on the planet. Uh... We've been lucky enough to know him away from the sport and then spend a weekend with him at the military visit that we did, one of our original military visits, and he was a star there. And uh, oh, he scared me there for a second. I was like, did I not see the whole fight? Like, was I that drunk? Because I was drinking. It was 19 seconds. I think I said 26. I know it was quick, so I must have been I must have been going off the video that was produced. You know, when the highlight goes, they, there's a little bit of a start and a finish. But mm -hmm. I was like did I miss like a whole minute of fighting? Like, you know, am I blacking out on a Saturday night or what? But yeah. <laughs> you know, there are very few fighters that we interview that um, go back to back when we were fans. Right. So I remember watching Ben fight in the IFL, right? Like right around the time we were starting our show, even a little bit before. So there are a few of these fighters that'll come on and still kind of, get us excited a little bit because uh, the fanboy in you comes out. And uh, 
I thought that was pretty cool, man. That like he's he's not just still going just to do it, you know. He's like very competitive, right? Mm-hmm. He could still really take out a lot of the big names out there. So I don't know what he's done, uh, but like even the weight thing was so confusing to me when he told us to, before the fight what his weight was. Too many was like, did did he get sloppy or you know what what happened? But when you see the way how he filled out. He looked really good, man. Really, really, really good for this fight. And that's the one thing about him is like he uh, he's very cerebral in the way that he takes tasks on. So I knew he was going to do his research. I knew he was going to figure things out. And uh, that was just an impressive way to, to, I mean, imagine what your bosses are thinking, right? What David Feldman's thinking. Like that's oh, where anybody in the room that said, maybe this isn't a good idea, where you turn around and give him that look like, don't ever doubt me again. You know, that's exactly what you want out of this guy. David Feldman got himself another star. I, I looked and it looks like the Lima show may not be happening after all. I hadn't followed up in that on a few weeks. In a few weeks, excuse me. Because I don't see Luis Palomino booked for anything and I don't see it on their website. Um, but at least we know that now. Uh, look, yeah, it was quick. Tyson-esque. And, but he said some very interesting. Sometimes I feel like I've learned everything there is to learn about the sport in terms of covering the sport, obviously not fighting. But he said that he felt like he was hitting his groove when all of a sudden the Reebok era came along. And the Reebok era kind of handcuffed him a little bit, shackled him where he felt like, I'm this guy when I'm not fighting, but I'm this other guy when I'm fighting. And that part of that other guy that fights is a, a bruiser, a killer, you know, a, whatever you want to say, an assassin, whatever you want to call him. But he's also a character, right? But once mm-hmm. you start putting everyone the same outfit on everyone, not to make this horrible comparison, but, you know, what, what do you think of that? You, you think of that like in prison or something like that or, or the military where everyone is regimented, right? They all walk in a single line, say the same thing, wake up at the same time, eat the same food. And so in that, you really maybe can't, maybe shine is, you know, apart from others. Obviously you can because there's promotions, right? There's sergeants and captains and majors. And a lot of that has to do with tenure, but a lot of it probably has to do with performance. But other than that, for the most part, everyone does kind of seem like they're the same. And I started thinking, geez, you know, it's everything we've said, it, everything we've thought and said over the past few years, but in a different way. Like you always use the comparison of uh, the the flames on Tito Ortiz's shorts, his team punishment shorts or – or, or the icicles on, on Chuck Liddell or BJ Penn's getup, you know, with the black belt. Everyone kind of had a, an individual personality. and uh, But for Ben, it goes further than that. Not just what he was wearing, but what it made him feel like. What, you know, like, because obviously you can you could come in however you wanted, and then you had to fight mm-hmm. in certain attire. Um, and, and that's the problem is that right now, yeah, we have our stars. But they're not like they were before, man. And the UFC is going to miss some of that connection. I think they're going to go through an era where, sure, the numbers will show there's just more fans. But I don't know if there will be that connection. And I think they could have both. I think they could still get their numbers. But the fighters could still have some individual personality. You know what I, you know what I mean? And, and, and those big stars are the ones that can turn around and get you these huge, huge pay-per-views that, that obviously is what the – Promotion covets. I don't know if you went through this, 
because of the schools you went to. But I went to a school where you could just, I mean, this is probably going to sound like a duh moment for a lot of people, but, you know, you just wear what you wear, right? I mean, of course, they had some some sort of a dress code, but there was one year where they tried to switch to uniforms. And not so much a uniform, it was just kind of like a polo. That did not last very long. Um, people didn't feel, yeah, people didn't feel right, and supposedly grades went down or something. Because people's, like, individuality just kind of got taken away from them like that. And um, I understand what Big Ben is saying. I, I get that. And and that's just, like, school, right? Uh, for him, this is a business. This is something that he can make money off of. Look at the Korean zombie, right? He doesn't really say much, but the way he fights, I'm sure he made a pretty penny off that shirt, right? That's some That's income, extra income that you can have as a fighter, that you can no longer have because now you're just wearing Reebok or Venom, right? So I understand where he's coming from with that and and how it made him feel. Um, I wish more fighters would speak up about that. Well, well, I will say this. um, Going to private school for most of my life, you're right. That was a con, we'll call it. But one pro was, so the girls would wear their, they had, blue or pink or gray skirts. The gray was plaid, I remember. But other than that, it was blue or or, or pink, and then their shirt was white, a white button-down. And then, obviously, some of them would wear a sweater in the colder months. Um, but, here's the pro. If we had a dance, or someone had a party, or stuff that happened on the weekend, then all of a sudden, you're kind of walking in, you know, like doing your thing, and you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Sophia from Spanish, period two? Like, you literally had to, like, rub your eyes and go, is that you? Because you're just, you know, no makeup gal and or plain Jane gal, you know, Monday through Friday. But holy cow, like, you, you transform a little. And I imagine, especially for the girls, that that's cheaper. You know, cheaper for them because if you have to dress in a different outfit every day with peer pressures, you know, that could probably get expensive. You know, it's not like when you're in third grade, second grade, and mom goes, all right, here's three pairs of jeans, two new pairs of shoes, five shirts, shut up, talk to you next summer. You know, we'll mix and match or whatever. Hell no. Like, I imagine once you get to the high school years, you got to be fresh every day, or or at least some people get caught up in that. So that was one benefit is we all kind of look the same. But on weekends, we got to splash a little bit, you know? You um, you had to be strategic with that. Now, George and I were nine years apart, so there wasn't too much of this stretch, but there was a stretch where it was back to school time. And if your mom says, all right, on Thursday, we got to go back to school shopping, don't delay it. If you have an older brother or a younger brother, you want to, you got BJ Pennant, you got to be first. Because what happens is that's when you can talk your mom into that extra outfit or or the upgrade in the pants, right? Or, or the, the shoes or whatever, because she hasn't gotten to the other brother yet. And so uh, sometimes, I think there was one time where you went first and boy, did I feel it, dude. Because that's when I was wearing like Sergio Valente or some shit like that because of you instead of Levi, because you, you, you went a little overboard. So I kind of picked up on that strategy when it comes to back-to-school shopping. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, 
Let's continue here. Thanks again to Big Ben, a winner from this past weekend at BKFC, his debut, 19 seconds he got it done. Uh, he was happy as a clan right now when we were talking to him. Uh, some of the other news that's out there, we'll kind of blast through this pretty quick. Bills and I had an interview with Jim West. He's the head coach and boyfriend of Aspen Lad. It was a very informative interview. For one, they couldn't have been more, he couldn't have been more gracious. I think on behalf of Aspen, look, Time in the UFC was a blast. Uh, it's the big show. Respect. I, I could tell that was them kind of leaving the door open, maybe, I guess, or or just maybe being polite people. But, boy, did he make it sound like, hey, you know, we're not missing a beat here. PFL and Bellator extended big opportunities. We went with PFL. He also kind of made basically put it on the map. Sounds like Aspen's going to be the face of a new 145-pound division that PFL's rolling with. And mm -hmm. so in a way that's good, in a way that's bad. Why it's good? Well, it means the PFL possibly is expanding. Hopefully they bring back the middleweights. Hopefully they bring weights. There's a lot of great fighters out there, folks. You know, and PFL seems to be a nice spot to land for a lot of athletes that want to start the career or rejuvenate the career or what have you with huge, huge paydays at the end. The bad part mm -hmm. is we wanted to see her against Kayla Harrison. And Kayla's a 55er. So who knows? I think at some point, if they both keep winning, they have to collide, you know, and, you know, at some point, especially since Kayla already tried free agency and wasn't able to land a belt or, or where she could have fought Cyborg or back or with the UFC, excuse me, where she could have fought Nunez. So this might be the best, the next best thing. Now, don't sleep on Larissa Pacheco, by the way. I'm still very much looking forward to that third fight. Pacheco's fodder is tough as anyone. We'll see what happens there. But all this stuff is more about 2023 and the news for Aspen Lad. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely don't sleep on Larissa Pacheco. I think that will be a pretty competitive fight. Um, but as far as Aspen Lad, or as far as PFL going forward, I think even in the next day or so, we might have some more info on possibly even more weight classes. And like George said, Bantamweight, a division that's so deep in all the other promotions. Uh, and, that, and that's not even all of them, right? So... They could definitely make something happen there, make a splash. But it's just crazy. Like, if you're a UFC fighter, a Bellator fighter, and uh, you're kind of at the end of your rope where you maybe have two losses to a champion or something like that, like, this is a route that you can take. You can make a lot of money. They seem to be very happy there. And uh, it doesn't seem as though, like, with Aspen Ladd in her case, that the UFC said, get the hell out of here. It just sounds like they said, hey, we need you to go somewhere for now. And, you know, maybe one day she can come back if that's what she really wants to do. Uh, but there are options out there for these fighters. It gets crazy to hear one championship was in the running. Bellator was in the running. PFL was in the running. Uh, I can't remember a day in the sport where it was like that. So right away that people were not only willing to match what the UFC gave you, but give you more on top of the fact that let's not forget the reason she left the UFC uh, wasn't the best reason either, you know? So for her to be able to upgrade a situation like that, kudos to her, kudos to the, to her, her manager, her coach, and, uh, and kudos to just the environment that we're in right now in this sport. Yeah. They, he said he's, she's going to make considerably more, at PFL than she did with the UFC. And there's also considerably more money to be made if she continues to win. And I imagine that's the, the million-dollar jackpot that each fighter goes after. 
Yeah. Anyway, Big Paul is saying he thinks if him and Anderson can amp up a little bit of their talk and promotion along with the all access that Showtime does, he thinks this thing can go from either three to 500, which is where he feels like they're at now, to possibly five or 700,000 pay-per-views. Now, you were a part of this interview, so you kind of know what I'm talking about. But the other thing that stood out to me is he said that he doesn't see Anderson pushing that angle too much of him repping MMA. Boy, I hope he changes his mind because that's how I'm looking at it. That's why I'm tuning in. I'm tuning in so I can see an MMA guy kick this guy's ass. Now, that said, I don't hate Jake Paul. I kind of actually am entertained by him. So when I say it, I say it kind of respectfully, you know. Yeah, I hope you get your ass kicked. I don't know if that could sound too respectful, but we'll put it this way. I hope you come out on the losing end. There you go. I, I Big Paul does kind of crack me up, but Anderson is Anderson, man. He's one of the gods of our sport. Looks good. He's defying so many odds at 47. And we do just need to get a couple back for MMA. Uh, you know, I think the fact that he feels like he's not representing MMA, that's actually what I like about him. What I like about Anderson Silva in boxing. I think this is the difference between him and Tyron Woodley and everybody else that's given this a try. He actually has immersed himself in boxing and looks at himself as a boxer, right? He started from ground zero. If you look at the way he fights, he's got the mechanics down. Now it's just improving all that. He does. Like, he doesn't go in there. Tyron Woodley, when he goes in there, he boxes like an MMA fighter. But Anderson Silva, if you watch him fight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., if you watch him fight Tito Ortiz, he, he boxes like a boxer. You know, maybe he's not as sharp as he was in MMA, but he's doing it the right way. His defense and his uh, his defense has even changed his offense. I think that's what's made him so unique. So I kind of dig that he's taking that approach uh, physically, mentally. And then uh, as far as pay-per-view goes, yeah, I can't think of a fight that has really, I wasn't really interested in that Tyron Woodley rematch. Um, if he fought Tommy Fury, okay, cool. Tell me what happens, you know, that sort of thing. But this is one where I I, kind of want to know what's going to happen here. Like, I don't want to miss this one. So I could see them pay-per-view buys going up a little bit than what they normally are. Um, but Jake Paul's legit, man. He's fun. He has changed things for the better. I believe he makes things more interesting. I can't hate on that kid. I just don't know what his shelf life is. You know, if Anderson comes out and just obliterates him, what happens? You know, I tend to, I tend to think it's like pro wrestling, right? If uh, if one of the heels gets a loss, it's not like we go, well, that's a wrap. Who's next? You just wait till next week where he creates a new storyline and you're into that one, right? Kind of like Conor McGregor. I think I think Jake Paul can do something very similar in boxing that he can do in, uh, uh, or yeah, that he can do in boxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and guess what? Like he hasn't, he hasn't like struggled to the finish line. Maybe he did in the first Tyrone fight. I take it back. He's actually popped. Like there's been huge reactions to the times where he's knocked out Woodley or Askren, um, and he's pretty much throwing elbows against the biggest names in combat sports, like. 
you know, McGregor and Dana White. And so, honestly, he's all you could ask for if you're a fan of somebody in combat sports and that's someone that makes themselves relevant, goes out there on fight night, does the job. It, 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 it all depends on how serious you take him. If you take him as one of the best practitioners of the sweet science of all time, yeah, well, no, you're, you're coming up short. He's not that, all right? He's not one of the greatest boxers ever. But it doesn't mean he can't be one of the most successful boxers ever at the box office. I bet you he's made a lot more money than some real boxers that have fought for a long time and just maybe never won a belt. Or I would even venture to say maybe he's even won, made more money than um, maybe like a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. or whatever that, that came up through the sport, but he just never won the big fights. So he never really got the, the biggest paydays. Jake Paul is bulletproof. The only thing that can stop him right now that can derail this train is if he does something stupid outside of sports, you know, gets in trouble with the law or something like that. But other than that, I mean, think about it. He's got his own podcast now. I'm sure he makes money there on YouTube. He always has YouTube to fall back on. Um, he says he wants to give MMA a try. I would not advise him to do that. I don't think that's going to be as easy as he yeah, thinks. That's that's but uh, look how quickly his brother has transitioned to pro wrestling. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that one brother is that much more athletic than the other. I'm sure he could go that route if he wants, which, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, pro wrestling fans. To me, that's not a good look in pro wrestling, that you can take somebody that's never done professional wrestling in their life and catapult them so quickly to where they're fighting world champions. They kind of did that with Ronda Rousey as well. I get it. Like you, you want to turn these people into stars. But at some point, are you are you kind of just making it seem like your sport is not that difficult, or or are these just out of this world type athletes that can do that? I don't know. Like I just picture uh, pro wrestlers that have been doing this their entire life, going, "What the fuck? Like this person's fighting for a world title. You know how long it took me to get here? Like don't you remember them carrying Luke Foley on their shoulders after he won a, a world title? Um, that that's well, he, has, he, he hasn't won the title yet, but. Let's not forget, as an athlete, he was a state champion in wrestling. Uh, his brother's obviously doing well in boxing. And, and uh, so they're young. You know, they got that on their side. And at the same time, we're seeing them in these featured matches. And they did. he did hold his own, man, at that WrestleMania. However, could he do the 250-day-a-year grind? That would be a whole other animal before we could go, hey, man, that, that Logan Paul really, really has you know the skills to 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 make a career out of this i i see them still as guest spot type wrestlers that are coming in and doing their thing and not doing the whole full gamut like some of the other ones have and you know paying their dues but the little that they've done they've impressed same with man even uh the the kicker the punter mcafee boy that guy you know and of course he's an athlete too but he made the best out of it too he entertained he wrestled but he entertained i think that's where the sports evolved is how much can you entertain, throw in a few stunt moves, a few wrestling moves, and I think you can actually, you know, get – you can wow the crowd. Um, there's a lot of other people that probably have years and years of experience as a pro wrestler, as a wrestler. They can do all the moves. But if no one's popping for your for the action, then, you know, what's the point? Well, look at a guy like Matt Riddle, right, when he came over, or Shayna Baszler. Look how long it took them to kind of get things down and and really get to a point where now they're they're pushing sometimes main events, you know, big fights. 
I don't know, man. I, I, if I'm, if I'm, I guess now Triple H, right, or Stephanie McMahon, whoever's running WWE, I think you gotta kind of be careful. Like, I think you have your limits with these guys. Like, okay, Logan Paul on a WrestleMania, that's fine, but uh, to push them so quickly like that, I think kind of diminishes your your brand a little bit. But that's just me. I don't know. They're popular. They're popular. They come with a big audience. I think that's what they're ta- trying to tap into a little bit. So they're rolling the dice. I don't think they would just do it for anybody. Like I, I you know, um, I don't think another YouTuber is going to be able to pull this off. But these two kids are pretty special. They have huge, huge followings, and they happen to be pretty decent athletes. And when they when they were asked to deliver, they did. Had they done a dud. Then you know, like, hey man, you might be super popular, but we we can only push this so far. But homeboy can do some of the moves, you know. Um, we'll see. I, I don't. I don't even know why I'm talking too much about because I really don't follow it too much. So, kind of, what do I know? But I remember this when we went to Arizona, we watched a female uh, Royal Rumble. That was nuts. I hadn't been to a pro wrestling show in years. And I remember going, wow, these ladies are fucking bringing down the house, stealing the show. Ronda had come back, and the the Irish chick, what's her name, Becky, she was in there, Charlotte Flair, a few of the others, Sasha. It was nuts. I mean, I remember once the show was over and the last lady had walked off, there was this come down, like, whew, like I got to splash some water on my face. Who wants a beer or whatever? Then the next guys that wrestled, I could have sworn was that guy AJ Styles, mm-hmm. and I think he did it against the guy that um, was from Vegas. Ryan that, Danielson. Yeah, and they gave a traditional hardcore, just wrestling type style of fight, like real, real, like how pro wrestlers were trained to do it, you know, years ago, right? That 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 should have commanded a lot of respect. Those people were yawning, people were booing. You know, there was like, and, and that told me, okay, that's kind of a little bit of a changing of the guard because in the past, I think a lot of fans, like, you know, this if that wrestling match happens in Japan, all 80,000 people would have been quiet and respectful and golf clapping and, you know, appreciative of everything that was happening. But this, this new generation, a lot of them are younger kids. They just want like lasers and fireworks and death-defying acts. They want a little bit of a Cirque du Soleil, a little bit of an Evil Knievel, a little bit of a this and that, and some curse words, and, you know, some TNA, and, and that's what makes them happy. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't really understand pro wrestling as much as I used to, but it just seems off a little bit. Ablamos MMA, a shout-out to Danny Segura and our Spanish-speaking podcast on MMA Junkie. He did an interview with uh, Ricardo. What's his name? Ricardo Ramos, a 17-year-old. Mm, oh, the kid that did Dana White's Contender Series? Yeah, Raul Rosas. <laughs> Raul Rosas. Ricardo Ramos is, uh, <laughs> I think he's the guy from American Me who uh, they, used, they, 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 they used him to get to the dad. Yeah, Ricardo Ramos or something like that. Anyway, Ruben Rosas. I didn't know that this kid lived in here uh, in Vegas. I didn't watch Dana White Contender Series, the series, you know, like all the pre and post and everything, just mostly highlights. And uh, I honestly thought he was from Mexico. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I read this article. I'm so glad I saw the interview. Speaks English, speaks very good Spanish. 
and the family emigrated to Clovis, New Mexico. Then they moved to Santa Rosa, uh, California. And then a few years ago, they moved to Las Vegas and to planet. So now I know a little bit more about the guy, but I wouldn't have if I hadn't tuned into Ablamo's MMA. I probably would have before his next fight, right? But uh, there's just so much MMA being shoved down our throats, man. I, between that and our birthdays, I think his fight happened around our birthdays. I, I just kind of blanked out on the kid. All, all I heard was that he was good and he's been fighting since he was young. Yeah, Nolan King did a good interview with him as well uh, before his fight. And he's down to earth. You know, you could tell he's a young kid. But uh, if you if you watch the fight, I mean, the fight. Mm. I don't know, man. You can have all the talent in the world, but at that age, it just seems rough to have that type of life, to be thrusted into something like that. Hopefully, he's that kid that can kind of overcome it. If you look at other sports in the world, you'll find uh, people the same age becoming huge athletes, especially in soccer that can do it. So we'll see. I feel like some soccer kids just get their whole childhood stolen when they sign with an academy, if they're a prodigy and the big, big teams come, you know, I know they educate you and everything, but basically they want you to be a professional soccer player. So a lot of your education goes towards that. And you just kind of miss out almost on a whole childhood. I don't know if that'll happen with this guy. The nice thing about MMA versus pro wrestling 250 days a year uh, is you have time in between fights to be a, a human being, you know, now you can't take too much time off. You, you should always be training somewhat, but uh, th- I think that w- that's one thing that probably appeals to the combat sports athlete that has options and can go the route of MMA, which requires getting punched in the face, maybe some concussions versus pro wrestling where, you know, it's, it's not as violent. It's still physical but it's not as violent and uh, it's definitely safer than it was before where you could get just as many concussions from pro wrestling as you could from um, MMA. Cause back then, back then, uh, you know, chair shots and all the things they used to hit each other with, like that no longer happens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Hansa Hudo goes, well, I, I like the guy, right? Sometimes he says so many things that make sense. And then there's other times where I'm like, what? He says Dustin Poirier can't be on a on a uh, pound-for-pound list because he's either been submitted or knocked out. What the hell does that got to do with anything if he's winning? I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Henry Cejudo is one of my favorite fighters of all time. The fact that he has gold medal... And he he came into mixed martial arts, and we saw that from the very beginning, took it serious, and became champion over here. I have a lot of admiration for him. I also like the Triple C persona. But he might be in one of those situations where he's starting to fall in love with it a little bit Mm -hmm. because now he's just making unnecessary comments. And it's almost like one of those – I think Chael Sonnen kind of went through this a, a little bit where you don't have to comment on everything, right? Uh, because no matter how popular you are or how just not everybody wants to hear your opinion on everything, eat a hot dog, take a break, have a sip of coffee. This is one of those situations where if you notice every card, when it's done, Henry Sohudo kind of gives your opinion on, on whatever. And sometimes you feel like 
and this isn't just the Henry Cejudo thing. It can can kind of be everybody. Uh, it can be a little biased, right? Like, okay, your training partner just happens to be the greatest in the world. Like, uh, I just wish you would chill out a little bit. I felt like this one was a little unnecessary on, on Dustin Poy. Yeah, his quote was, Chandler doesn't have gold, neither does Poirier. I don't know why Poirier is pound for pound. I really don't. If I was a champion and I had a belt, with all due respect to Poirier, there is no way you could put guys that have been knocked out or submitted and all and all that on the pound for pound list. You know, I don't like to play well, I do like to play gotcha, but not for everything, right? But the first thing I thought about goes was he was just in a picture with the Pitbull brothers and mm-hmm. Paulo Costa. And um, there's a great argument for Pitbull Frady being probably the GOAT of Bellator and one of the best maybe to never fight in the UFC. But you could also put him on a pound-for-pound list of of great fighters. I don't know if he'd make top three, top five, top ten. I don't know. I'm not in a position to do that right now. But he's up there because he has won two major titles, and he's beaten good fighters along the way, including Michael Chandler, including um, A.J. McKee, you know, and some of the others that he's mixed it up with. So you're kind of almost like taking a little jab at one of your teammates because if you'll recall, A.J. McKee, remember he slapped on that guillotine when he beat him in the final of the Grand Prix? So now what? Your guy's been submitted. He's never been knocked out unless you call that leg injury that he had against uh, Benson Henderson in Anaheim. You know, a TKO, I guess, but um, he has been submitted. Like, I don't know. Like, Daniel Cormier was knocked out. Like, so now he's kind of off a, of, a, of a list of a pound, uh, pound for pound great. Like, no. DJ like, was knocked out. Exactly. Like, n- just no. He didn't think that one through. You know, like, offer an opinion. But when you when when you do it, especially someone like Triple C, who, in my opinion, is probably the best male athlete ever to compete in combat sports. I want to make sure I said that right. Him winning a gold medal in wrestling is amazing. Did it for our country, USA. Salute to Henry. And then to win two titles in the UFC and have defended each one once, that's up there, bro. You can say king of cringe or this or that, but you can't take that away from him. So I respect him tremendously. But he should also know that when you're a figure like that, that's looked upon, you know, by others in, in great stature, we'll say stuff that goes along with it, you know. And that that one came out of nowhere. And I don't know if that was just meant to, like, take a shot at Dustin Poirier or what. But along the way, like, bro, Anderson Silva, he competed in multiple weight classes. He's considered an all-time great, a pound-for-pound great. But guess what? He got submitted. And he got knocked out. So, like, you're literally knocking off a lot of people off the perch. George, George St. Pierre knocked out by Matt Sarah. So, well, to, to Triple C, I say, Triple C, like, you know, settle down on some of your comments. He can't be taking a shot at Dustin Poirier because if you listen to the beginning, he says, with all due respect. <laughs> by the way, we need to have a crash course on this shit because it, it's, you know, you're talking about blah, blah, blah. With all due respect is getting on my nerves. Just because you say with all due respect doesn't mean you can just completely shit on someone. Like at that point, don't do the with all due respect because it just doesn't match 
what you're about to do to people. And that's serve them. You serve them up. That's been happening way too long. And and I know in a way I kind of just did it right. I was talking about how Henry's one of my favorite fighters of all time, but I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is tell you guys, look, I don't have anything against him. I actually really, really like him. I just feel like he might be going a little, he just has to take his foot off the gas a little bit. But man, I'm hearing with all due respect, this guy doesn't even deserve to breathe the same air as me. Like, you think he's going to hear that comment and go, ah, but he said with all due respect, so I'm good. Like, no, just say what you got to say, man. With all due respect, you, it's, it's, you have to walk a thin line with that. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us, what we do is we shit on each other's opinions, but not on each other personally. Like, oh, he's a terrible human mm-hmm. being. No, no, I don't say that about too many people, especially in our sport. Um, but what I will say is, hey, that was a terrible take. And I, I don't see it any different from if me, you, Henry, Big Ben, were sitting around playing cards and somebody said something, you go, get the fuck out of here. You know, that's the same thing as saying, well, now on a, on a platform like ours, I think we have to be different. Well, well, with all due respect, or I have a different opinion or whatever. But yeah, Can't yeah. You just get it out? Can you just get it out like this? I think Dustin Poirier uh, is a very good fighter, but I don't think he's great. And there's only a few fighters that I believe are great, and this yeah. is why. Yeah, without the y'all, with all due respect part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see that part. Okay, I see that part. Um, Chandler, Michael Chandler says that it's crazy that Charles Oliveira is the underdog against um, Islam Makachev. And I could see what he's thinking. Like, hey, this guy's the champ. And, of course, Chandler has a loss to the champ, so I'm sure he's probably thinking, whoa, what, here? Um, Makachev has yet to even, I think, beat a top-five guy. I think he's only mixed it up with one top-ten guy, and that was some of the criticism. Lobbed his way as to why he was getting a title shot. But he's got a spectacular UFC record and overall record. But, man, he's got that wrestling, and when he wins fights like he has been, whether they've been ranked opponents or not, he's been strangling fools, mopping fools up. So I would I would say Chandler don't get too caught up in the odds. The odds are a whole different animal. Um, wrestling definitely is something that the odds makers, if you have that and you use it, they you know a lot of the times those types of fighters are are the ones that'll get favored because it is a business to them, and they look at guys that are a winning fights, not losing fights winning rounds and, you know, formidable skill sets that people don't have answers for. That's Islam Makhachev. Can't take that away from him. Um, mm-hmm. And Oliveira is a little reckless. I mean, Chandler 10 8 him, you know, in the first round. A few guys have knocked him down, but yet Oliveira does come back and win, and he's he's awesome right now, you know, and I pick him to win over Makhachev, but I don't think it's wild that he's the underdog. I think it's a unique but I don't think it's crazy. Um, Oliveira just, you know, a lot of people get have problems overlooking his past. And I think that's why that keeps happening over and over, which doesn't make too much sense because of the streak he's on, the people that he's taken out. Uh, but if it's crazy, then you bet the other side all day, right? And a lot of us don't do that. Um, if we felt that strongly, you and I would be clearing out our 401ks, our savings, and we'd be betting the other side, uh, but we don't do that. We don't do that for a reason. The odds makers get it right. Maybe it doesn't have to be that high, 
but I would understand why somebody would come in saying he's the favorite. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we wrap up, just a couple more. Kevin Holland, he's fighting Stephen Thompson in December. They're headlining a show in Orlando. It's a fight night. It's December 3rd. The big news, I guess, though, is by that booking, we now know Kevin Holland is not retired from MMA. He's playing it off like it was a ruse, according to him. Um, I don't think anyone really believed it. And I'm, I guess I'm just glad that he's not retiring and that he's you know, taking a fight. Did you ever get caught up in it? Did you ever think, well, maybe there's even a 5% chance he really could just be out? Yeah, there could be a 5% chance. But uh, put a gun to my head, I'd say he'll be back eventually, whenever that is. But that's just one of those things where you can't, like, you can't walk into the room and go, oh, my God, George just died. And then go, ha, ha, everybody believe me. Like, there's just certain things that when you say, out of respect, you kind of have to take a person seriously, you know, to a certain extent. So it's not really like I got pulled one over on you. Uh, we all just have to believe that. But, you know, if your boss goes, you're fired, and you start crying, and then and then he says, I'm just joking. Like, he didn't really pull one over on you. He's your fucking boss. He just said you're fired. Like, you have to take their word for it to a certain extent, right? So we've seen so many fighters uh, late in their career retire and come back. So for a younger fighter to do it doesn't make too much sense, but then again, you think, well, why the hell did he go through all that? Uh, doesn't make much too much sense, but you got us, I guess, Kevin Holland. Mm-hmm. He's clowning around, basically, for the most part. and he, he does tend to do that, but there's some times where I feel like he's kind of shed that. And, you know, now he's actually done a few heroic things on the streets, and he's made some money, and takes fights on night, late notice. Like, he's got himself a nice little following. So this little fake retirement thing is just a little bit like, bro, don't ever forget you're a professional fighter, right? Mm-hmm. You're not a YouTuber. You're not a troll. Stop doing that. Just don't, don't, don't do that again, okay? You had fun, all right, but don't, don't revert to going from whatever his age is. I don't know if he's 29 and he just went back to nine. Or 28, and he was eight. Just don't do that again, Kevin Holland. I think you're on your way to just doing great stuff in our sport. You really, really have a lot of fans. So uh, that's that. Davis and Figueredo and uh, Brandon Marino, our official goes. They're going to Brazil for their fourth fight. They'll be unifying the titles because, you know, Brandon Marino became the interim champ when he defeated Kai Kara France. Few months ago, Figueroa's the undisputed champ, so they'll be unifying. Who's your early lean here? It's in Brazil. You know, just the Brazil part is enough. That that gave me enough ammunition to probably go Figueroa's way in that one. Tough fight. They're both really good fighters, and if they fought ten times, it might go five five. But uh, the Brazil part was enough to make me go, okay, I'm gonna go Figueroa. Lastly, what do you think of Daniel Cormier? I guess he's refing or already did this Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins matchup. I think it's fun for him. He's always been a huge, huge pro wrestling fan. So getting the chance to go in there and do it, that's probably great. Now, DC is a guy that goes from age 40 or 41 to 11, you know, but he's retired. And 
he's openly having fun. Now, at the same time, he's also a proper head coach of a great high school wrestling program, father of two, a respected broadcaster. So I think he does enough that he could still giggle and have fun like a little schoolboy. And it looks like he's going to be having fun doing this, real, you know, uh, getting involved a little bit in WWE, even though it's not, you know, a WrestleMania with him wrestling in it. Good for him. He deserves it. You know, like everything that he did in his career and his life, even before mixed martial arts, he gave up a lot. There's no way you you reach those heights not giving up a lot of your life. And now he's kind of regaining all that. So props to him. Good for him. I hope he keeps doing things like that. Do you think he could ever wrestle WrestleMania, though? I think he could. I mean, I guess there's there's. There's wrestlers that look like him that have done it, right? So, so why not? But I don't know that he would be able to do anything on a on a week by week basis, you know, like right. a, like a real professional wrestler. But like yeah, one be Logan Paul run of maybe six months, or you know, a WrestleMania and then a Raw the next day, and then maybe a couple other shows, and you fizzle out somehow. Who knows? I, I think he could pull that off. Yeah. You don't have to cut the 205 or cut the 265. You could be all of 280 if you want, you know, and he has wrestling, the wrestling background. And as long as his neck and his back are, are healthy, I, I think he'd have a blast doing it. I really wanted to see him do it with Kane Velasquez at the time. Of course, now we know Kane, Kane can't do that. But anyway, all right, folks. So listen, again, it's our 33, show. We want to thank you all. I know there's a handful of you that have listened to every single show. Thank you a lot from the bottom of our hearts. There's probably hundreds or thousands, I don't know, that have listened to at least 3,000 of the 3,300 shows. And maybe there's some of you that have only caught the last three. Who knows? But whatever it is, it's a commitment of uh, an hour. used to be two. It's two days a week. used to be five. So it's a lot, you know, and the fact that you spend it with us, it means a lot to us. Maybe we don't say it enough. So from the most profound depths of our heart. We mean it. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to us. Goes, you have any final thoughts on our 3300 show and this journey we've been on? I know a few of you people that have listened to every episode and you guys are savages. That's just super cool to even hear from people every now and again. But yeah, shout out to a lot of the people that we get to interact with, but also like overseas. You know, there are just so many people if you go like on iTunes and you switch your uh, your language and there's so many people in different countries that follow the show religiously, we really, really appreciate you. I know maybe sometimes our jokes don't even make sense to you, but uh, thanks for hanging in for the ride. We, we, we appreciate all your support. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And with that, we're out of here. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you all on Monday for 3301. Uh, follow us on social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the Goes. And the show is at MMA Junkie Radio. And we'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion.